In the 21st century, there's probably not a chapter in the Bible you could find which has been the subject of more disagreement or contention among Christians and the world in general. What is the first thing that you think of? What did you hear happening as I read the whole first chapter of Genesis? Why is it the first thing that is recorded? What does God want us to learn about him and the world from this chapter in Genesis? I think because of the contention, many Christians especially have either become hardened and so they can no longer see Genesis for what it is, or they've just given up on try, trying to understand it. I know many of my friends who have gone out into the sciences and just said, I don't allow myself to think about it. Is that what God desired from Genesis? And if not, then what's the point And this is where some of the blessings that God has given us in the 21st century, along with all of those sciences, have given us a new window into Genesis 1. All of the archaeological discoveries have given us a window into the culture of the Old Testament and, what, and the way that they communicated information. We can see into their minds in a way that had been still buried in the sands. And it has revealed something so beautiful. You see, our culture is obsessed with material things and how material comes into existence and how material functions. The ancients, they did not have our preoccupation. This was not their concern. And maybe you can try to start getting into their head if you just think, here I am on the earth, no technology. My, my life is bound up with the fact that I have to procure food every single day, that the weather could destroy everything that I know about my life. The seas and the rivers are a, a source of life, but they also can destroy everything that I know. And who is in control of these things? And how does he decide when to destroy and when to give life? These are the kinds of things that still occupy people around the world who live in different cultures than us. And this information has caused us to go back to Genesis with a new perspective. And what it's done is it's revealed that We've just been missing what's in front of our faces all along. Because it's not only in Genesis, but it is the story 
of the Old Testament. And it is the story which Christ fulfills and accomplishes in the New Testament. And that is our goal today as we start our series is to put it in perspective. So what is Genesis 1 all about? And I could say what is the whole Old Testament about? Because as the introduction to the Old Testament, it is the best introduction for everything that follows. Genesis 1 is about kingdom and about temple. And that doesn't sound ridiculous, does it? You know the Old Testament. And in the ancient world, there was nothing besides king and God. And the king was God's representative, sometimes claiming divinity made by the God himself to rule a certain people. And that king, his only job was to rule the people for that God And the king was the one who always built the temple. The king was the one who brought sacred space into the lives of a kingdom. And in Genesis 1, we see God creating a place for himself, fashioning a kingdom and a temple where he is going to live and dwell with all that he created. And if you don't believe me, you can go to the end of the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40. Moses is setting up the temple. And all the temple bears images of the created earth. It is set in the pattern of the true, the true temple of God, which is in the heavens. And that's not where it ends. At the end of Exodus 40, as Moses sets up the temple seven times, it says that Moses did exactly as God commanded. And then after the seventh time, it says, just like the end of Genesis, that God completed all his work, Moses finished his work. And then, the glory of God filled the temple. The pillar of fire and cloud. The holiness of God dwelling among men. kingdom and temple, the king ruling from his temple is source of all life. Everything which has continued to endure, everything which was very good and is still good, is because the king has not left his temple. God is still ruling on that throne. He never left that throne. 
one of the most peculiar things about the end of this temple and kingdom uh, genesis, the beginning, is what we know as the Sabbath day. And God says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Did you notice what was missing? That chorus, that familiar ring of the prior six days. On the seventh day, God records no evening or morning. This is the eternal God sitting in the place from which he will never be dethroned. And it is because of that king sitting and ruling that everything was very good. It is the creator who makes things good. If a king is good, his kingdom is good. And so it is with God. And so he wants us to know and to understand. But the thing is, I think we just don't like the way the king does things. I don't know how many times in your life you think to yourself, gosh, all this is so good. I think more often we're prone to say, oh, there's so many ways this could be better. When the Israelites first celebrated the Sabbath and celebrated this king in his temple ruling among his people over all the earth, they thought the same thing. Actually, they probably thought even beyond that, that this is the farthest thing from good. They're wandering in the wilderness. Complaining to Moses, we have no water, we have no food. And God says, I'm going to send bread from heaven. So you'll collect it six days. And then on the seventh day, you will not. Because that is what God wants us to know. Is that man lives by his word, not by bread. Man lives by every word of the Creator as much as he does from the creation. If you do not know the Creator, you cannot find the good in creation. 
And so as we strive in our lives, and as we're thinking about all the things that we would like to have happen, all the things that we want, the things that are not yet in our hands, the things that strip us of that praise of goodness to God, it comes back to the fact that we have a perspective on his kingdom and a perspective on him and his goodness which is not in line with what he has revealed to us. And that is what Christ came to do. Christ came to shine the light into our hearts, to open our eyes back up to be able to see God in all His goodness. And then from there, once we have true life and we know the Creator as the giver of life, then we can see and confirm with Him that it is very good. So when we don't feel that very good in our daily lives, when we're not rejoicing at the presence of the holy God on earth among his people, it should be a sign for us. It should be a sign that there's something wrong in our hearts. The striving occupies the place of joy. There can be no striving for things on the earth and joy. And God wants us to have that rest. When the Creator is in His temple... And we acknowledge that everything comes from His power and His goodness. It changes the whole entire way that we perceive our lives and the way that we work. Because now it is not us and our power, but that creative God who made everything that we can see with our eyes, He is the one working in our lives. The New Testament tells it very much the same. Christ over and over talked about the kingdom of God and what it was like and what those who lived in that kingdom looked like and the kind of communion and fellowship and joy they had with the king. And that door into the inner court of God, he opened up for us. If we don't see the kingdom and the temple in Genesis 1, the rest of it all just kind of seems like a disconnected story. And we're thinking, oh, well, how does this fit in? And, well, how can Christ be the total fulfillment of all the prophets and the, the Old Testament and the Psalms? Where? I, I have a hard time finding Christ apart from the little prophecies that are scattered throughout. But when we see the 
kingdom and the temple as the plan from the beginning. And that Christ is the one who brought that reality to the whole entire earth. Brought the knowledge of God and entrance to God. And now a whole people scattered across the entire globe know the King and the Creator. That pattern is going to play out through the Old Testament over and over as we continue our 16-week series here. And next week, we're going to have a chance to go a little bit deeper in thinking about how man fits in this plan of God. And that will be a familiar place too. And it will fit with kingdom and temple. For God makes his people royal priests. Not just Adam and Eve. But Peter says the same thing in the New Testament. All of the scripture is united in this idea. It's the whole reason that God created. And while it's beyond our comprehension that God would make all these things just for his own joy to live with man and to have man know him in his righteousness and holiness and to live and love and rejoice. While we cannot understand that with our minds, it is what the Spirit has put in our hearts. And each and every one of us knows that when that joy When that holiness and that righteousness are in our lives and in our hearts, all of life is worth living. All things are beautiful. Everything is as it should be and I don't need to know because it transcends myself and it gives me God. And that is what God wants for each and every one of us. And that is what Christ won for us. So as we go about our daily lives, I hope that God works this idea in our hearts, this truth, that we are serving as vice regents in his kingdom. And we are serving as priests to the world. God has given us the honor of going in and out in his presence and mediating his presence and his joy to the world. I hope that that perspective changes our lives and shows us the creator in Genesis 1 and that he is very good Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for sending your Son who has opened up our eyes to you and your goodness and your faithfulness and your holiness. Work in our hearts. Preserve our lives. Keep us from sin that we may always know this joy the joy of your presence 
and your goodness and your faithfulness and your fullness, God, which makes our lives worth living. We praise you that you have not allowed anything to get in the way of that, that your goodness still stands from the moment you spoke to us today. You are ruling And we can live our lives in that comfort and that joy and that hope all of our days. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.